It seems like every day we hear new examples of outrageous violations of parental rights. Kids being handed obscene books, educators encouraging children to experiment with their gender identity without their parents knowing, and more recently military kids being targeted as privileged during an English lesson in Fairfax County. Why do these things keep happening and what can we do about it? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, I don't think we've had a chance yet to share some of the highlights that came out of this awesome event we did recently at the state capitol, Mama Bear Day. Tell us about it from your perspective. It was awesome. It's so great to have all these parents down at the Capitol. Sometimes we're, you know, we're alone down here and our, our, our folks are advocating and, you know, but to, on those days where you have an army of people telling their stories to legislators, it really makes a difference. It was a, it was just a fantastic day. Lots of folks, moms, dads, um, and just even actually we even had a, a kid tell his story to a legislator. And so I, I think it was really powerful. I have to say it was just a wonderful moment when all those parents feeling a whole side of the House gallery stood up, and most of the people in the House, wouldn't you say, gave them a standing ovation. I thought that was very powerful. It was very cool, and I, I enjoyed that legislators were asking me how they could get a parent sticker. Like, they wanted the Mama Bear sticker, which I hadn't anticipated, so I didn't have any on hand, but I think it's cool they wanted to be a part of it, and actually, just even in committee, they came to watch um, some bills go through, and even the committee chairman sort of started the meeting by acknowledging that there was this whole group of parents there, so I I just think, and I, and we heard from parents that it was valuable for them too. It wasn't just they were a means to an end, meaning they were helping get you know get the right messages to the legislators. But for them, it was a growing experience. Some of them had never been down to the Capitol, hadn't had a chance yeah. to give their their concerns to legislators. Yeah, and just to give a quick recap for people who aren't as familiar with it, this was Parental Rights Advocacy Day, which we also called Mama Bear, and. We had lots of parents and concerned citizens come down and speak up on these parental rights bills going through the General Assembly. And you're right, I heard from lots of parents that it was their very first time. And one big takeaway most of them had was that they said they felt heard by um, opponents of the parental rights bills, that they actually got to walk in the offices of liberal members, uh, representatives that sat on these key committees and talk to them. Yeah, I, I was very pleased that they weren't just meeting with people that probably already are going to vote our way. They are meeting with people who really did have differences, and they could share those. And we did let them meet with some of their favorites, too. I mean, they, right. you know, I, I, they the special moment was when the lieutenant governor walked off the dais of the Senate and actually came out and met with these parents. I mean, she's like a rock star. And that so was they amazing. Were, it was cool for them to have those moments, too. Yeah, and so we've got great news coming out of this. Uh, one of those bills the parents were most concerned about having to do with parental review of sexually explicit content in the classroom just passed a huge uh, obstacle. Will you tell us about that? Yeah, this is, a, this is, again, this is a bill that simply says, look, if, if curricula has in it sexually explicit content, we're going to notify a parent, and a parent can select an alternative if there's a concern. There can be a way to work around that. And that bill made it through a committee that honestly has been a real obstacle for everything. It's a Senate Education and Health Committee, and um, that fares very well. It got bipartisan support, which it should. Parents' issues should get bipartisan support. So it was exciting because we know that that's actually the biggest hurdle in the whole process. We think once it does that, it should pass the Senate floor. It should go onto the House, over to the governor. I mean, this is a big this is a big step towards maybe getting the whole enchilada into the law, uh, you know, in a, in a month or so. 
Yeah, huge praise report because that committee has pretty much been blocking everything else we care about for the most part, right? But but this one got through. Yes, it's been a very difficult committee. And, you know, this is a bill, we similar bill we got to the governor years ago. It's just mm-hmm. it got vetoed. So now we have a governor that understands parents and we think will be very sympathetic to the bill. So it's just exciting. It's a lot of years of work that goes into these things that you might finally get a win. Well, stay tuned on that topic, everybody, because we are going to have urgent alerts on that coming out on our email alert that will let you know when your voice is needed to help get this all the way to the governor's desk. Um, so be watching out for that. If you aren't signed up for our let, our alerts yet, be sure to do so at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, I'll just go ahead and dive right into today's topic. As we mentioned in our introduction, it just seems like every day we hear of a new outrageous example of just this really gross disrespect to parents. And it's happening in schools all across the Commonwealth. It's not just places like Fairfax. Victoria, you even had a friend, right, that shared with you just the other day about an obscene book that her child found in school. Yeah, that there is a lot, you know, sometimes you hear these debates and they point back to one or two books, but I'm telling you, there's a variety of books parents are concerned about. And I'll be honest with you, I saw the pages, I got shared the actual screenshots of pictures of the words in these books, and I, I was horrified. And I'm in this work, I've read these kind of things as part of this work, and it was one of the worst things I've ever actually read in print. And to think that a child could have that as recommended reading is disturbing. Yeah, we're hearing about these incidents every day. There have been brave parents standing up, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And so what we want to do today is just spend a little time equipping our listeners on how to respond when these things happen to you, whether it's a parent coming to you sharing about what their kid's encountering, or if you yourself as a parent are dealing with this, how can you speak up to protect kids and parental rights? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, the first is you really need to understand your rights. So I think it's important for people to understand there is a strong constitutional right that's been backed by the U.S. Supreme Court. So highest court of the land multiple times has said that parents have this right over the last 90 years or so. And they've specifically recognized the authority of parents to direct the upbringing of their child. So people need to understand that as the fundamental backing of why they have the authority to walk into that classroom. But not only that, in Virginia law, we have very specifically a law that says quote, a parent has a fundamental right to make decisions concerning the upbringing, education, and care of that parent's child. So we have the the right. We should use it. Yeah, it's also backed up by the Virginia Supreme Court, which made it very clear that this is a fundamental right. And when they use the word fundamental, that means that government officials have to have a compelling reason before they can just restrict parental rights. That means the proof of burden, burden of proof, is on them to show why they need to violate this right. They can't just do it willy-nilly because it's in their way. It's it's inconvenient to them. They've got to have a really good reason for doing that. But unfortunately, we still see a lot of schools just going ahead violating parental rights and not really having accountability on that. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to help that we have new leadership in town, especially with the new superintendent. You know, they they have a lot of control over regulations around the curricula. So I, I am excited for that. But whether permanent change is really going to happen does depend on whether parents seeing these things locally are going to speak up about what they're seeing. That's right. And I will mention that one piece of information we put out there to equip parents who are trying to defend their rights is the fact that the social science data actually backs up their case. I don't think a lot of people know this, but there are actually numerous studies over the years showing that parental involvement not only improves students' academic performance, this is shown over and over, 
but also their overall emotional and physical health. And believe it or not, these studies, these statements are coming from a place that is often giving more liberal advice, and that's the infamous CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, has these statements out that parental involvement helps kids at school. Now, let me just mention real quick, we've been talking about all these court cases and these studies, and I just want people to know, if you want to read those actual quotes and look at these actual studies, you can find that information in our Speak Up Conversation tips. Just go to familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. That's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, Victoria, what would you say are some of the most common attacks that you hear against policies protecting parental rights, especially when you're in the state capitol all the time? Well, the big thing is that they often like to get to motivation. So the attack goes, attempts to know the motivation of the parent, and they immediately go to racism or LGBT discrimination, that this parent is just a racist or they just are hateful. And usually that's just not even remotely the the case. They're just simply wanting to protect their child. But we hear it all the time. In fact, um, you know, it's the name calling is a way to dodge the actual conversation. And so it has become the popular approach. And these parents will say it's not about a specific book. It's about the right. It's about it's, it's, you know, but they try to raise one book. So they'll raise a book about black history that isn't even a problematic book. And they'll say this is really about you just don't want your kids to learn something in school. And that's not at all it. Or, right, that it's a gender queer book. And so, oh, you are against transgender people. So that's why you're saying you want parental rights. The, the piece of the book that my friend shared with me, I read through it and I realized it was, in fact, a lesbian scene. But it would have been horrific if it hadn't been. Mm-hmm. Let me just say it's explicit because it's explicit. But they want to make it about hate. They want to make it a bad motivation when really it's a motivation of loving your child. That's the amazing thing. It's really about protecting and wanting the best for your child to thrive. And I'm seeing those same kind of attacks, not only in Virginia, but used against the parental rights movement nationwide. So Victoria, how would you advise people? What is the best way to respond when they use that line of attack? Well, I think the best way to respond is simply this, that the truth is we should all be able to unite around protecting all children and upholding common decency standards in the public school environment. Uh, A simpler way to put it, a legislator put it this morning was he simply said, why do we keep wanting to push this stuff in schools? Um, I think most of us realize that there isn't that much value to the things that are being pushed, but we all agree that that no law protects the abuse of any child, whether verbal, physical, sexual, or emotional. This is about protecting kids' hearts, minds, and bodies. It's not about adult identity politics. And also, I think it's important not to forget that schools across the state are struggling just to get kids to graduate and read at basic levels. So when we're spending all this time on social agendas, you know, it's, it's just irresponsible to allocate these resources and classroom time to these divisive adult driven materials when, I mean, kids are suffering right now. And we've had good conversations down at the General Assembly about let's focus back on reading, writing, science. I mean, our numbers are terrible. And so I think that is a really effective talking point in this moment. Yeah. I think that's one reason that uh, parental review bill did get so far and we got bipartisan support at this moment. Um, I also think an important point to bring up to those who don't necessarily share our worldview on these issues is just this issue of local control. I mean, first of all, it is hard to argue that parents, they do have the most intimate knowledge of their kids. 
And therefore, they can make the most informed decisions for their child's welfare. So absolutely, parents should have the power to decide if, when, and how their kids are going to be introduced to these sensitive topics, things that are controversial, especially when it comes to sexuality. And I will say over the years, as I have worked on this topic, especially when I was at Focus on the Family, I've run into so many parents, they aren't necessarily religious, who have concerns that their children are simply too young for these adult topics. They just simply aren't psychologically or emotionally ready to handle adult-centered topics at the stage they're being pushed into the school. Um, so this whole trend of schools mandating these lessons as early as preschool, its not only does it undermine their constitutional rights, as we talked about, but it is flat out undemocratic. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. It needs to be at the local level where those decisions are made. It needs to be in conversation with real relationships between parents and teachers, between parents and school boards. And honestly, kids mature at different rates. Uh, to put an age and say, oh, I think this is appropriate for every child at X age, just every parent knows that has multiple kids knows that their kids weren't the same maturity when they hit 10, 12, 14, whatever it might be. And so it's really important that those conversations are happening at the most at the closest point of knowing the actual child, not some some, you know, uh, idea of what children a certain age might believe. And also, schools function best when they're under local control, and the control is by the parents. Yeah, and you've said many times before that the whole thing of protecting parents' rights ultimately does get back to constitutional government protecting a self-governing society, because when you start taking away parental authority and inserting the government, you basically are then robbing basic freedoms, especially First Amendment freedoms. So if we really care about our American system, I think it does start with the family and parental rights. So to wrap up what we've been saying here, I think the most important takeaway is that parents have this right. It's been backed by the court. They should feel very comfortable walking in and having that conversation and that we need them to do that, that we need them to be brave and that we're going to ensure that the control stays at the local level, that we want parents to be the ones driving the outcomes. And so that's why we're advocating so hard for legislation that returns that control to the parents, um, not the state government. And I just want to remind people real quick that if you want some help just kind of getting your mind around the big picture points that we've been talking about and just looking at some of the quotes from these court cases and the studies we've been talking about, be sure to check out our Speak Up Virginia conversation tips. And the, probably the easiest way to get there is familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. That's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. And also make sure that you are signed up for our email alerts. Um, you can do that by just going to familyfoundation.org because we're going to need all of your voices when these key parent parental rights legislation, when these key bills go through, we're going to need your voice instantly, both on email and text. So make sure you're getting our alerts. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.